We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, August the 13th, 2020. On today's show, what a week it's been, guys. Are we having football? Are we not having football? I'll talk about college football as a whole, the Big Ten and Pac-12 deciding to postpone, a.k.a. cancel their fall football season. Also, the SEC, ACC, the Big 12 seem adamant to push on. I'll talk about that as well. Also, some news and notes to get into. Your listener questions, tons of listener questions on today's show. And we have a fantastic interview. Former Gamecocks baseball player and 2011 national champion, Deshaun Anderson joins the show. Phenomenal conversation. Deshaun is an awesome dude, and we had a great time with it. It's a conversation I know that you are sure to enjoy. Before we get into everything, this is a podcast sent to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the best ticket buying app by far, the only ticket buying app I use, and the only one that I recommend. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, sports are changing, right? Sports are changing. It is inevitable. The way we buy tickets is also going to change. No longer are you going to scalp. Everything's going to be done digitally through your phone. Basically, everything's done through your phone already anyways. But SeatGeek is changing the way that we buy tickets. They're making, making it super simple, super easy. They're thinking about the consumer first here. I love SeatGeek. Again, it's my go-to ticket buying app. They got a great ticket rating system as well, which rates the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. So guys, you know exactly what the person next to you is paying. You're never going to overpay for tickets again. You're going to know exactly where you're sitting, what the view is. They have this cool thing when you buy tickets, you can see what the view from the seat looks like as well. But you're going to know where you're sitting, what the view is, what you're paying, what you're paying in relation to the actual value of the ticket. So again, you're never going to overpay again. It's going to take away all that stress, all that strain of ticket buying, and it's going to let you do what you want to do, which is just simply enjoy your event and have that peace of mind. So again, that's our friends at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-U-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. Let's get it.
Thursday. I'm Chris Wilson. This is the Spurs Show. As always, appreciate you guys tuning in. A uh, little bit of a shorter episode, quicker episode today while we are just in the midst of all of this madness. Uh, I do want to touch on everything that's going on over the week and also a phenomenal interview, really, guys. One of the better conversations I've ever had on the airwaves here. Phenomenal interview with Deshaun Anderson, but we're going to hammer down some points again while we all just kind of wait and see. You know, I'm waiting and seeing before I dive into official predictions or projections or whatever with South Carolina football. I want to make sure we have a season. So uh, we'll touch on that a little bit. Also, like I said in the beginning, a lot of your listener questions, a lot of things to address before we get into everything. As always, if you have not done so, please be sure to go rate and subscribe. Uh, we're nearing 300 reviews on iTunes. Whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever platform you're on, be sure to go rate the show. Leave five stars. Leave your thoughts, your feedback, whatever things you like, things you don't like. Um, I'm always checking that to see if there's any new feedback. So really appreciate you guys that have already done so. And like I said, if you haven't, it would mean a lot to me. Take five seconds out of your day. Go leave five stars. Truly do appreciate it. Also, if you're not subscribed, not sure what you're doing, hammer that subscribe button. You'll get the notifications when the show drops. Pending having a football season, I am planning on going back to the daily shows to Monday through Friday. So you definitely want to be subscribed then so you can get the daily notifications when the podcast drops. Also, guys, like I mentioned on the Monday show, but I'll touch on it really briefly, uh, the Red Circle donations. If you want to make a donation to the Spurs Up show, again, you do not have to do this, but I just want to make everybody aware because there are some that are donating into those. I say thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And if you do donate, please let me know. But there is a link uh, down at the bottom of the description of the podcast, of every single podcast. You can you know, contribute one time. You can contribute monthly. It can be a dollar, $2, $5, whatever. Um, if you do want to support the Spurs Up show, you have that avenue. Again, that's Red Circle donations. It's, it's at the bottom of every single podcast. The link is there at the bottom of every single podcast. You can click that link, support the Spurs Up show. I'll be totally honest, guys. I need, I need my fans and supporters now more than I ever have. So um, click that link if you, want to, if you want to donate. If not, no big deal. Um, also, continue to listen to Rowdy Rooster Radio. I appreciate everybody that's called in, everybody that's tuned in Monday through Friday, four to six. Hours can change, obviously, like on Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, for example. I just did five to six instead of four to six. So those can change, especially if I have interviews and stuff like that or whatever. Um, they can change. But again, appreciate everybody tuning in. It's going really, really well. I really enjoy it. So tune in again Monday through Friday, four to six. All right. Let's dive into this really quickly. Again, this is going to be a really quick show. Um, we got a super long interview to go with it, though, so that kind of balances it out. But everything seems to be falling apart <laughs> in college football. Uh, comes out Tuesday afternoon, the Big Ten Impact 12 postponed their football, which I'll be honest with you guys. I'll be totally 100% honest with you. Tuesday was the first time that I really got down in the dumps about the potentials of a football season. Like, I I've been 110% optimistic and – you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm ignorant, maybe I'm stupid, maybe I'm just overly optimistic. But I've really thought we're going to have football. I, I've really thought, and if nothing else, I've thought we're going to try to have it. We're not just going to throw in the towel and give up before we even start. You know what I mean? Big Ten and Pac-12 say no thank you. They have postponed, which again, I think they should just be saying cancel because I don't think a spring season is feasible. And I talked about that on the radio show on Tuesday. I don't think a spring season is feasible. But the Big Ten and Pac-12 apparently think so. So they have postponed their season until the spring. The SEC, ACC, and Big 12 have come out, and they're holding their ground. They're sticking to their guns. Heck, the Big 12 uh, released their schedule Wednesday afternoon. So will football happen? Will it not? I don't really know at this point, guys. This is a day-by-day -day roller coaster, to be honest with you. I, I, for one, I will say this. 
I know things change. Excuse me. I know things change, and they are ever-changing, and, and I understand wanting to do that, but I, I wish we had some sort of announcement because it just feels like right now they're just dragging us out, right? They're just dragging us along, dragging us along, dragging us along. And it's like, dude, are we going to have a season or not? Like, because if we are going to have a season, well, I want to fire off that content, get to that content selfishly for me. And if we're not going to have a season, I want to make other plans and figure out what in the world we're going to do for the next three, four months. So, you know, I hope we do. Uh, Ray Tanner was on 107.5 The Game Tuesday afternoon as well. He told those guys the current plan for Williams-Brice capacity is 24.6%, which would be 19,741 fans. That includes full band, player family, and guests and some students. It would be, quote, it would be easy to pivot and go back to no fans, but our fans want to come. Um, how much word does Ray Tanner's – or how much weight does Ray Tanner's word really hold in this conversation? I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like the SEC still still set on having a year, having a season, which, you know, is great news for all of us that want that to happen, right? I mean, no doubt. Um, I just – I don't know, guys. I, I really – I know a lot of you ask me every single day, are we having a season, are we having a season, are we having a se-? I don't know. I, I really can't say with any certainty yes or no. Um, I really can't. I mean, I've been optimistic throughout the entire process. You know, I've been somebody, again, who's been looking at the bright side of things. And, you know, I, my, my thoughts on this whole thing are very well documented. That I think you either need to shut it all down or press forward and move on. You know, we don't want anybody to get sick. But I thought, and I said this on the radio show Tuesday, I thought Scott Frost, I think Scott Frost has had the best perspective of anybody during this pandemic or just during this time we're going through right now. Scott Frost basically said, if your goal is to have no student athletes, zero, zero student athletes across college football or college athletics, if your goal is to have zero college athletes get coronavirus, you're going to fail whether we have a football season or not. And I think it's really telling to see how pissed off the schools in the Big Ten are. Um, they're not happy. I mean, Nebraska has been very vocal about it. Ohio State, Michigan, they're not happy. Um, they're not happy at all. You know, you know the debate – sorry, guys. The, the debate of whether we should have a football season or not, I, I mean, listen, you, you can debate up and down, left, right, whatever. That, that's up to you, however you feel about it. I can live with failure, though. What I can't live with is not trying, you know. What I can't live with is not trying. So, we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll see if we have a season. I, I really, at this point, have no idea. Let's go ahead and jump into your listener questions. Again, guys, shorter show today, but we'll go ahead and jump into your qu- listener questions. Krusty Andy, what would you think of Bobo taking over as head coach if and when Muschamp is fired? Uh, preferably, I would not want Mike Bobo to, the head, to be the head coach. No, no thank you. I'd rather go get somebody else. Hampton underscore Watson. Would you rather have fall football without or limited fans or a full capacity spring season? Give me fall season. 110%. 110%. I'm fine kicking it at the house watching on TV. No problem with that. And I live down the street from the stadium. I mean, so it sucked not to go, but give me the fall season. I, I just don't think a spring season is feasible. I, I really don't. I don't think a spring season is feasible at all. Matthew underscore Huggins one. What does the Big Ten postponing their season mean for the other conferences? I don't think the SEC really gives a damn. 
Now, if the Big 12 postpones, I think that might be the domino that pushes the ACC and then the SEC over the edge. But the Big 10 postponing, mm, I'm not too worried about it. Thomas underscore Brady underscore H. 2020 will be a wild college football season. Imagine if Auburn loses Bo Nix right before the game. I'm ready. I'm a little confused at that question or statement just because, I mean, what if they lose Bo Nix? I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Why would they, why would they lose him? I don't, I don't know. But hey, it, it'll be a good game, though. I agree with you. Um, and he asked one more question. Would you rather have football now as is or a spring with full stadium? So that's two people that have asked that. Yeah, I just don't think a spring season's feasible. I really don't. The best players aren't going to – anybody with a shot at the NFL ain't playing. Because the NFL is not moving their draft. They're not changing their schedule, you know. The NFL is not changing their schedule. I don't know why I'm yawning so much today, guys. I apologize. The NFL is not changing their schedule, though. So, I just – and what's really going to change from now till spring? Really, though. I don't see it. So that's just my opinion. Um, all right. Fantastic interview upcoming. Deshaun Anderson, former Gamecocks baseball player, 2011 national champion. We had, like I said, a great conversation. Deshaun's an awesome dude, a great, genuine dude. Um, electric combo. We talked about a little bit of everything, winning the national title, Ray Tanner, uh, his role on that team, you know, everything, stuff outside of sports as well. Um, so phenomenal interview. Stay tuned for that. It's brought to you by our friends at seat geek once again go download the seat geek app or go to seatgeek.com use the promo code spurs up you're going to save 20 dollars off your first purchase guys no matter what the event is it doesn't even have to be sports it can be concerts comedy club events sporting events whenever these things come back which fingers crossed hoping they're coming back soon you're gonna need your tickets you're gonna want to go we're gonna be all craving to go to these events seat geek's gonna be the way to get your tickets Again, go download the app. Use the promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-R-S-U-P to save $20 off your first purchase, guys. Again, great ticket rating system. They are changing the game as far as ticket buying is concerned. They're making it super simple, super easy. They're basically doing all the work for you. SeatGeek is really doing all the work for you. All you got to do is click the buy button and enjoy your event. So, again, that is our friends at SeatGeek. Once again, go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-R-S-U-P to save $20 off your first purchase. Enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks baseball player and 2011 national champion, Deshaun Anderson. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show, a man that had a brief stint with Gamecocks baseball but made it worth his while one year in 2011, had five RBIs for the Gamecocks, but he is a 2011 national champion for South Carolina baseball, which is the most important thing. Deshaun Anderson, former Gamecocks baseball player, joins the show. Deshaun, Appreciate you taking the time, my friend. It's a pleasure to have you on. Pleasure to be on, brother. Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, man, national champion. That's what you can always say about yourself when somebody introduces you. But let's go back to the beginning, way before that, because you're a guy from the state of North Carolina, High Point, North Carolina, uh, Ragsdale High School. You're just talking about yourself about on the uh, travel baseball circuits, if you, will, if you will. Just talk about your recruitment, how South Carolina came into the picture, and what made you want to be a Gamecock. All right, so it was the summer of going into my junior year, so sophomore summer. Uh, I was playing with the Dirtbags, and that team was just loaded with talent. Uh, Will Myers was on that team, mm. uh, who was a South Carolina commit. Uh, Brian Goodwin uh, was on that team, plays for the Angels now. Um, many other, there's too many names to go on, but um, – I was on that team, and uh, I played with the 09 graduating class, the age group, 
Um, and Will just texted me one day and was like, yeah, Coach, uh, Coach Holbrook wants to uh, – not Coach Holbrook, uh, Coach Lee. Monty Lee was the, mm. at Ty Klein at the time still. It was like, Coach Lee wants to uh, talk to you on the phone. And I really was – at the time, I really – I was more focused on football at the time. I mm. thought I was going to be like a football – go to college, play football. I just played baseball because I was, I was good at it. And uh, talked to Coach Lee. And then once that one phone call happened, it just – more and more schools just started coming and it just like a, a snowball effect happened. Um, but I committed really, really early in my process. Like I got blown away by mm. South Carolina. It was just, I took a visit to ECU. I took a visit to Chapel Hill. Um, that's about it. Like I talked to NC state, but I committed like pretty sure in like in September of that, that following a couple months later, that summer and what what year was, what year was that i'm curious was it like 08 or uh that was or? summer summer going into the 08 like the summer of 08 wow yeah i mean we, we know college baseball recruiting it just happened so early so that's why i was curious yeah, it it just it just took off like i like i said i was wasn't thinking about college baseball like right. i more, was more focused on football my dad's a football coach like my whole family is football so i was more focused on football and it just kind of just just happened. Yeah. So what what made you – I mean, what were the offers in football like? I mean, did, what, did it come down to the wire as far as did you know whether you're going to try to go play football or baseball? Or did you think about trying to walk on at Carolina football? Or, like, what, what was the – what went into the decision, I guess, to go baseball? Go uh, baseball? So, EC – because I committed so early, it kind of, like, killed the recruiting process of everything else for later mm-hmm. down the line. I know ECU said I could come play football and baseball. Uh, I didn't really talk to Coach Sperry that much about mm. trying to walk on and play football. Like the idea had been mentioned, but when I got down to Columbia, I had uh, ACL surgery like in August, so like I would I wouldn't been able to play anyway. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, like then there was a bunch of like Catawba offered me. Like Elon was really interested in football. It was more like the division like one double A, bigger D two schools for football. I got you. So you're a commit, obviously. So what are you thinking? Um, I mean, you're already committed way early. What are you thinking? 2010, the Gamecocks go on their run, win their first national title. I mean, that's that's that that got to be pretty good for recruiting if you're South Carolina. It's like the guys that are committed are like, well, I'm definitely going here. I'm not decommitting. I can tell you that much. I mean, what, what are you thinking? Yeah. You know, what, are, what are you thinking? You're watching this. You're like, damn, that's, I'm going to be there in like three months on campus. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, nah, it was it was awesome. I, I remember like uh, – I was playing uh, Legion ball that summer, and my head Legion coach is a huge Clemson fan, like huge, huge Clemson fan. Um, so I remember that we played them in the elimination game, had to beat them twice out there to mm. to survive. So like it was, it was just a fun time just to watch be and be a a part of Carolina baseball from a fan perspective at the time yet, because I wasn't a student there yet. But it was it was just awesome to be. Uh, a fan because the, the super regional was crazy. That whole those two games against Coastal were were nuts. Mm. Um, it was it was just a, it was a fun time to be associated with Carolina baseball. For sure. So you you get on campus in the fall 2010. Um, did it? I mean, obviously you come into a program like South Carolina. There's already high expectations. I mean, what Coach Tanner built, we all know. You know the expectation. The expectations go to Omaha. I mean, every single year. There's no way around it. But was there a heightened level of pressure, did you feel like, when you got on campus? Like, whoa, we just won a national title. Like, it's the, – the, the expectations are 
they're like they're ramped up to a new level after you're coming off a national title. You're like, all right, now what? Let's do it again. Yeah. Um, well, I, I came in feeling like that I had to – that my best was going to be – was going to be needed at all times because mm. I'm playing for – I'm coming into a, a national championship roster. Um, and I know we lost, we lost a couple arms and – couple key people like Bobby Haney from that following team, mm-hmm. but we still had like Jackie was back. Uh, Price was back. Wingo was back. Christian Walker, Marzilli, the, the squad was back. Mm-hmm. So like the, there was, there was a pressure of, there was an expectation to live up to, but I don't think it was like a pressure. Like I never mm-hmm. felt like I had to live up to anything or to anybody while down there, but it was definitely like my, my own pressure and our, and our own pressure of expectations for sure. Did, did you have, like, a, a welcome to the SEC moment? Because, like you said, you jumped on a, na- a national championship roster. And, and the great thing about those teams, I mean, you, you think of the teams now, I could name off, like, Vanderbilt, Georgia, Florida, uh, Oregon State, whatever. But the great thing about those best teams is, I mean, you, you can attest to this, the best competition you're going to face is in practice and in scrimmages. And yeah. I mean, you're, you're mm-hmm. not going to see anybody better than Michael Roth on the weekends when you're facing him in an inner squad. Um you know, we all know that jump again from high school just to college baseball, but definitely SEC baseball. There is an adjustment. Was there an adjustment period for you, or was there like that welcome to the SEC moment where you're like, "Holy shit, this is a whole different level," and I, I I'm used to. So I had like like I had ACL surgery like in August, so I didn't really didn't have much of a fall. I played, I DH'd in the last two games of the Garden Black series, mm-hmm. and that's about the only at, at bats that I had. And I didn't even get to run the bases. I like basically I would take my bat and then right. walk out the batter's box like it was a batting <laughs> practice. But uh, yeah, that was my moment for sure in the fall. I was just I wasn't very used to seeing like two o changeups and curveballs and three one. Like just you think you're ahead in the count. You got an aggressive. You got you can be aggressive right here at three one. You know you're going to get something either hard or you're just sitting on something. And I was just confused like mm. uh Tyler Webb had me had made me look like an idiot one time uh, <laughs> John Taylor I had never faced anybody that from a submarine but through I had faced submarine but they, they was like low 80s high 70s submarines nothing that was mid to upper 80s like John Taylor was just crazy just bite and just downward tilt on the ball like it was just I was like oh this is <laughs> big boy baseball and then, like, my first SEC moment was Jackie got hurt at Mississippi State on Saturday night. He, like, broke his wrist or did some ligament damage to his wrist. And I came in to play. That was probably the seventh inning. And Mississippi State was really good. They're still really good. But yeah. it was – like they had all those – their crowd was sitting on, like, campers in the outfield. <laughs> and I, I played, like, mop-up games against, like, Upstate and, like, got a couple of best against Charleston Southern or something like that. Like, never played in, like, a conference game. Maybe pinch ran once, and I was in the outfield, and I just got lit up with they. They were on me for the rest <laughs> of that game, and all day Sunday, and like they knew like my mom's name, my dad, like my sister, like they just knew all that stuff, and I was like, oh, this is, this is not high school anymore. <laughs> this is this is nuts, and it's like the whole, the whole section, the whole like it's a thousand people out there, and they're just on you but and thank god like that sunday I, my first start i went three for four with like two doubles and a single 
And thank God I, I had a good game because I can't imagine if I went like 0 for 4 because they would have just – I can't even repeat half the stuff they said to me <laughs> because this was like, like – it, it broke my – that Saturday night, it like broke my spirit because yeah. I, I think I, I, I had struck out and I got hit by a pitch. So I was already pissed from striking out. And then I got these idiots behind me. And it, it really – it broke my – I remember looking at Jake Williams like, yo, I'm about to jump this fence. And, <laughs> and like, but I'm from High Point and, like – I'm not saying High Point is the toughest city in the world, but like, you can't be a chump from High Point. Like, it's you. Right. You learn things from being from here. So like, that was my first time ever just being like, just flat out just <laughs> disrespected almost for no reason other than I don't play for your school, and it it broke me the first time for sure. Yeah, I've heard Mississippi State and Arkansas are two very brutal places. Very brutal. Brutal. <laughs> brutal. We got Arkansas at home, so I don't. I've never been to Fayetteville. Yeah. Yeah, but I can I've, only imagine. Like, I've definitely heard some Starkville stories. Starkville was but... tough. Yeah, Starkville was very tough. Oxford, uh, Ole Miss was was pretty tough. Like they got some some aggressive fans, some proud fans. I'll that, say. That's the one thing I say. This I love Founders Park. Obviously, we all do. That's the one thing though I wish we had that we don't is like that. Yeah, you know that that rowdy. Mm-hmm. outfield you know what i'm saying because it's it fits perfectly for them how it's like set up how you know like you said they're, they're grilling out there they're drinking like they're getting crazy you know I, I mean again founders park is dope and they're selling beer at games now but that that atmosphere is, is yeah it's, 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 it definitely makes for sure it, it makes absent it's unique own unique it gives it own unique flavor and stuff because compared to carolina stadium or founders park now it was carolina stadium when i was there compared right. to founders park um, like Mississippi State, I haven't been to Mississippi State's new stadium, but then it wasn't nicer than our stadium. Right. Like the facilities weren't nicer, but the, just the atmosphere of the of the students being in the outfield, uh, barbecue, the the smoke you can barely see in the outfield because there's barbecue smoke all in the sky. <laughs> like just the atmosphere of all that was was really really cool to see and be a part of. For sure. So I want to switch gears a little bit, talk to you about Ray Tanner. Obviously, your guy, again, played for Coach Ray Tanner. Um, Hall of Famer. I mean, his his record, his career speaks for himself at South Carolina, what he did. Um, obviously, the athletic director now. But just just talk about it again. You said Monty Lee recruited you, who is now the head coach at Clemson. But talk about your first, your first interactions with Ray Tanner. I've had a lot of guys on the show that played for him. And it's funny, Deshaun, to hear guys from, like, the different eras, per se, because I've had guys that played as recently as last season or not last season, but his last year in Columbia, I've got guys that played in like 2000. And to hear the differing stories and his attitude, we all know he's he's a tough SOB. He's tough on his players. He gets the best out of his players, though. Um, but just talk about your first interactions with Tanner and what it was like being a player under Ray Tanner. Uh, I think Coach Tanner is a fantastic coach and and knows his baseball more than probably any other person I've been around. But what I would give Coach Tanner credit for is he's a fantastic person. Like, there was many a nights where I it's, – it's well documented that I had a, a, a struggle in my year in Columbia, mm-hmm. and most of it was due to stuff that's outside of can't be controlled. But at no point throughout that time did Coach Tanner ever say he was disappointed in me or that he was upset with me or anything like that. Like, he, he – understood that I had some demons and some, some battles that I was fighting that I probably needed to be, that I needed to 
get help for. And he was the main facilitator in that. And I have nothing but respect. And I would never sing anything but high praises for him for that. Mm. He's he's great in my book. Is it weird? You know, I asked Bobby Haney this too. Bobby, a good buddy of mine. I, I asked Bobby this too. And I've asked other guys. I think Ethan maybe too. Is it weird for you though? Because again, you we talked about a little bit off air. You're a guy. You you follow me on social media. You're just you're on social media. You see everything happening. You see all the chatter stuff like that. Is it yeah. weird? As great as Coach Tanner was, is it weird to see him get all the criticism he gets now, being in the AD role? Like people wanting him legitimately fired. I mean, is that yeah. is that like a weird thing for you? Because like I'm it's, sure you just it where it's like you're this Hall of Fame coach, but now you're in this different role and. It's weird. Like people feel so, you know, people, some people feel so differently about him than they used to, which is kind of sad to be honest. But like, is that weird for you to see that? Yeah. It, I, I've had to like, even, I had to mute the word like Ray Tanner on Twitter right. for a little bit because I was just responding to people like, right. okay, our football team isn't performing to the greatest standards or our basketball team or whatever sport it may be, right. our baseball team recently. Um, and yes, I know, understand that he is in charge of the hiring and firing and all that stuff behind him, but they didn't have, they don't have the relationship that I had, well, that I don't want to say that I have it still, but that I had with him and what he did for my life, like, I can honestly say he was a part of saving my life. So like, I, I took it personal for, to, for me that the slander that he was getting online. And I understand that it is a business and you have to perform in this business or we will find somebody else to, to, to perform for you. So I respect that part of it. But I thought that some of the slander was like uncalled for. Like it was unnecessary. People was, were, were saying that some personal stuff. And it's like, if you have a problem with his business, that's one thing, but I don't really agree with yeah. the, the personal slander because like his, because his level of his, of his profession, he's, he's in a glass box. Like he's, he, there's nothing he can do that you, that you can't know about. If it's if it's family or something terrible happens, we're gonna know just because of the statue of who this person is. Um, but like if my grandma dies or something, like nobody's gonna know. Like right. is people were throwing stones at a glass house and I did not appreciate that at all. So I, I had to like take a step back from firing <laughs> back at people. Yeah. No, we, we I think we all get to that point at some point on Twitter. It's almost unavoidable. Um Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say this about Tanner. I mean, I, again, I have nothing but love for Coach Tanner. I, I don't know if being an AD is necessarily his calling, but, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, and listen, not everybody's meant to, to, to be that or whatever. I mean, I don't think he's done a poor job. It's just, you know, it, I think the tough thing, and you know, when people, you know, I've said some things about Tanner before, nothing like too crazy, like nothing attacking him, obviously, but – the one thing I've said a lot is it's so tough to judge an AD because most people don't really even know what an AD does. I, I mean, absolutely. You know, like, so he's being judged. The only thing you can really judge him off of is his hires, which I mean, Will Muschamp and Mark Kingston are his two. Um, and so I mean, it's it's been rocky a little bit with both. So you judge yeah. But outside of that, I mean, you really don't. You know, there's nothing really to go off of. I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think. Um, I don't know. I, I like Coach Tanner. I mean, I, I don't think there's any way. I'll tell you this. Even if they want to change directions with the athletic director, there's no way you fire him. You have a conversation. Absolutely with not. Him, if you don't mind, like, step down. Because Coach Tanner deserves a statue outside of Founders Park, let's be honest. So. I was just about to say that. This yeah. man deserves a, a monument yeah. on campus. Yeah, exactly. And so. I also, I think it's the, the – he left – like, 
from baseball to AD for, at such a high note. Like you go to three mm-hmm. straight college world series. And was he the was he the coach was this last year the year they lost in Chapel Hill in the Super Regional? No, no, that was, uh, was Holbrook. So his last year okay. was they lost to Arizona in the finals. Arizona, okay. So yeah, you go to three straight College World Series finals and arguably could have won all three. Yeah. Like, but you win two out of three. Uh, and they just caught a, a buzzsaw in Arizona that year. I, I, I remember it now. Um, but yeah, like he he left on such a high that I think people just expected the transition to continue from the baseball success to carry over to, to other sports. And that's just, when you think about it, that's just not possible. Were, were you surprised when he stepped away? Uh, was there any indication to you that maybe that time was coming, that it was close? I mean, because it's, you know, I, it was surprising to me because, again, he had been at Carolina for so long, but, I mean, you know, it felt like he had more good years left. I mean, I, I think that's the biggest I, thing. That's the biggest what if when I look back is, you know, I mean, it's – and, again, you played for under Coach, Coach Holbrook and guys I've talked to that have nothing but love for Coach Holbrook. And, you know, for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. Injuries, whatever. Um, but and it's easy to look back and say this hindsight's twenty twenty. But there were a couple of those teams, especially like thirteen and fourteen, that maybe if Coach Tanner's at the helm, those if nothing else are College World Series teams. I, I mean, yeah, did, did it surprised you he stepped away. I was thoroughly surprised because that year would would have been like my junior year mm-hmm. down there if everything would have stayed well. And from my visit and, and the conversations that we had had, it was. I'm going to be here with you the whole time. And I'm not saying that he was basing it on, on me personally. But, like, just the conversations that we had, it was – I didn't see it coming at all. I just knew he was going to be there for at least another five, six, seven, eight years and just continue to build on the – I think he was forming, like, a a, a mini dynasty. Like, mm-hmm. because from 09 to 10 to, like – you get a three straight college World Series finals. Um, and it, it wasn't like we had – overly exceptional recruiting classes in any any season coming into that. He was just one of the greatest. He had, like, the Belichick effect. We're like, right. we might not have the greatest talent, but you're not going to beat us. Like, I know for sure my, my freshman year, Vanderbilt was probably way more talented than us. Florida for sure was more talented than us. Virginia might have been more talented than us. Um, There's there probably four teams probably just talent on paper. If you looked at them, you'd be like, this team is more talented than this team. But like, we took four out of five from Florida that year. <laughs> we took two out of three from Vandy in the regular season and lost them in the conference tournament. But two out of four from them. Beat Virginia twice. Like, you just weren't going to beat us. I don't know. There was, there was, we just had to – we're not going to lose. And I think that came from Coach Tanner. Like, his demeanor never changed through any – whether we were up – when we beat uh, College of Charleston 27-2 to two, like, what wasn't the same Coach Tanner as we, when we beat Vandy one nothing on Sunday. Like, it's the same person, and we just fed off that. Yeah, it's funny. I know, you know, Forrest Kumis is one of my really good buddies, and he, he talks about – Yeah, that's my roommate. Tanner. Yeah, he, he talks about Tanner a lot. And one of the things he always, you know, half-jokingly said was Tanner was he, – he said, I think Coach Tanner is the baseball god. Like, in the sense that yeah. he knew everything that was going to happen before it happened, he said there'd be games where it's like 100% chance of rain. He said, no, we're going to play. And sure enough, it would not rain. And yeah. You're playing. Like, Coach Tanner controlled the baseball somehow. Now, I mean, it, it, it was voodoo almost. Like, it was <laughs> – he, he'd say something, and we'd all be like, what is he talking about? Like, and then sure enough, it happens. 
Yeah. It, it was it – was, right, some people just have it, and Coach Tanner had – he had it. So I, I talked to Adrian Morales about this, the 2011 season. He, he talked about the differences from 10 and 11, how 10 – you know, again, first time doing it, the roller coaster ride that it was, he said that 11 was much more business-like in his mind. Like, it was clear, the expectations were there, and you guys were on a mission. And, I mean, that 11 team, it, it, he, he also said this, which he phrased it perfectly. He said, we knew how good we were in 11. You know, 10, we were just kind of trying to figure it out and do it. 11, we knew how good we were. And we mm-hmm. brought that to the part. We expected to win every single game. I mean, you damn near did. Um like when you're in the middle of it, I guess I'll ask you when you're in the middle of it, how, how special is it? Like, do you, do you know, I mean, you're so locked in obviously on the task at hand and like, you know, you're, you're, you're a freshman, you're trying to get on the field, get playing time, whatever. But like, do you, are you self-aware in the moment? That like I'm on a really good team. Like I, I'm on the best team in the country. Like we're, we're going to win another national championship. Like does that click in your head at all? Uh, I didn't never, until we got to game two of the college World Series, I never said the, the feeling of we're going to win a national championship. I never had that right. feeling. But I definitely came to the park every day like, we're about to bust y'all's ass. Like, that was just, <laughs> like, my mindset. Like, if right. BP, like, because, you know, like, you, you go hit BP and we're, we're at another team's field. Some, most of the time they're sitting in the, in the dugout watching you hit. Um, and it's just like, yeah, we're about to bust y'all today, man. Like, we got Rolf coming in, and he's going to dice all up at 85 miles an hour, and there's nothing you can do about it. And then we're going we're gonna to get to the eighth or ninth inning, and then Price is going to come in and feed you 15 sliders, and you're going to look stupid, and we're going to win. We're going to do that three times, and we're going to go back to Columbia with a dub. Like with a, it was just like – it was very business, business as usual, but I will say that we definitely had like a – it was relaxed. It wasn't like super serious all the time. Mm-hmm. We definitely – they let us do our thing, but when it was game time, it was game time. Like, we, we definitely we understood that for sure. Like, I, if, you, if you caught me before a game, I, was, I had a handshake for everybody on the team. I was dancing. I'm doing backflips, all that stuff before the game starts. And as soon as we all leave the outfield to go to the, to the dugout, it was like a, a silent awareness took over, and it was, it was game time. For sure. So, switching gears a little bit, you talked about in 2010, South Carolina beats Clemson twice in Omaha. You get on campus, obviously. I'm not sure if you got on the field in 2011 for the rivalry, but obviously you were a part of the rivalry. How, how quickly did it click for you how, how big of a, a game that was? Like the second inning on Friday night, we got uh, <laughs> the, the three-hole or four-hole, whatever, he got on first base, and we picked them off. And he got in a little rundown, and yeah, yeah. Roth was covering first base. And I think he, like, I remember ran this. over Roth. Yeah, yeah he, like, ran over Roth. And I'm a cool guy, quiet guy, but I will have a huge sense of protect what's mine and my, my family at the time. Right. So as soon as that happened, I just remember jumping over the little railing and just screaming. And I was like, oh, this is, this is it. This is, <laughs> this is Carolina Clemson right here. This is – this is big boy. Like this is this is what this is what I've been watching on TV. Mm. This is this is like blood was born. I'm not even playing. I'm, not even, I'm pretty sure I have my trainers on still. Like I I know I'm not playing tonight, but I'm just as juiced up as the the starting nine we got on the field right now. For sure. So you get to Omaha. Obviously, I want to ask you, Deshaun. How does it feel? Did you got a ton of TV time out there? A ton. Yeah. <laughs> Every single. Every single, like, intro, promo, whatever, it was you messing with the beach ball. 
I just remember that every <laughs> single time. You got as much yeah. TV time, if not more, than anybody. Like, oh my, oh my, uh, we got. I got my old laptop in there, and it's, I got all the the videos and and messages that I got still from like I was on Sports Center like fifteen times. Like <laughs> I was on TV all the time, and it's like yo, I, I did not see the field the whole two weeks we're out there. But you would have thought I was like the main player if you just had no idea what he was talking about. I bet your was. phone was just blowing up. I mean, it had it to be. was blowing up. Like, and for some reason, whenever they just did like a dugout shot, they just pants the dugout. It's me. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I hung out with the, uh, the like the Bat Boys and the stuff like that all the time in the dugout. Like I always hung out with the little kids and, and tried to have a good time with them. Like I definitely would, would, would focus up and, and pay attention when I needed to pay attention. But in the first, second, third inning, I'm kicking it with, like, little Charlie uh, or our little bat boys. We're just shooting the crap. We're, like, flicking sunflower seeds, playing a little game and stuff like that. Right. So, yeah, the camera caught me doing that a lot. Yeah, I just – it's like I said, it's just so funny because I'll just never forget. It was always yeah, nah. that little intro, you just, like, messing with the beach ball. Like you said, <laughs> you, you, you'd have thought, like, this is the dude that's hit, like, 10 home runs in Omaha or something. Yeah, like you, I, you'd have thought that I was Jackie. <laughs> I, no, I think did, – did a lot of people – I mean, did that ever happen to you? Like, oh, are you Jackie Bradley Jr.? Like, did that, did that happen? <laughs> oh, dude. I bet – I feel yeah, like that probably – I think you said something about that one time when I saw it. I, I perfected Jackie's JBJ – like short signature and i signed it i probably got that off probably 15 20 times in club God. There's, there's people you, sitting at jackie? home right now that have a signed baseball and they have no clue this, yeah, oh you know. for sure for sure and people <laughs> are, just like, are, you, are you jackie and after a while after, after i would fight it i felt like no no i say did it, did it piss yeah. you off at first like you're like no at first it was, at first it was funny because like right uh, i get it you know it's cool but then after a while it was annoying because it was like, bro, I look nothing <laughs> like this dude. Yeah. Like Jackie's like three inches taller than me, and like I didn't have braids, but I had like I had my hair growing out, and I was like, Jackie, we don't look anything alike. Right. But it, it, I know it was most of the times it was it was kids, so like it was, I couldn't get yeah, yeah, so yeah. mad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just, no, nah, I'm not. But I definitely definitely faked it off at least 10, 15 times. So yeah, I'm Jackie for sure. Took a picture, <laughs> signed autograph. People for sitting sure. at, sitting at home right now that are still bragging to their friends. They have no. Well, maybe maybe they had a clue. Uh, he, they, he won the MVP or the won the uh, what the ALCS MVP, and they're like, you know what? This is not yeah. that guy. This is not <laughs> that dude. <laughs> yeah, no, no, another, another black kid on the yeah. <laughs> not, not, not that one. Oh my god. Um, it, it was all a good fun though. Yeah, for sure. Game one against Florida. Have you seen a crazier baseball game in your life? No. no, I don't think there, I don't think it's possible to see another crazy baseball <laughs> game in my life. Yeah, I mean Dude, the, every uh, game we played against every, I, I was, every game we played against Florida that year, it was there was besides the we, we played them Friday night down there, we beat the crap out of them. But besides right. that, no game was normal. Right. And, and and game two of the World Series, but the other there was no normal games. Like mm. we played them once, and I think combined it was like twenty six strikeouts. It was just the worst offensive game in the history of college baseball. But we somehow won. But uh, game one, Wingo's double play is still one of the greatest plays I've ever seen in a baseball game. From the from him diving to – it's insane how fast he got from, from the ground to his feet. And he had to, like, turn his hips to clear his hips also yeah. while, while jumping up. Like, I don't think that just that movement right there gets, gets the credit it deserves. Right. And uh, – 
he had to get rid of it. He was a little snap throw. And Barry dragging his toe on the plate, backhand pick, is the craziest thing I've, I've ever seen in my life. I've ever seen in my life. Picking it with a catcher's mitt. <laughs> yeah, it was I mean. the – and, but but like the the Florida the the Florida, the Virginia game to go to a college world series, but we turned like five double plays in a row in five straight innings. The end of inning was insane. Mm. Like we get a line out double play, a two ground ball double play. They got runs on like first and third in all these situations. Like we're on the cusp of having to play an elimination game, but the, just Price is getting huge out after huge out. Mooney and Wingo are the best shortstop second tandem I've ever played with in my life. Mm. And they just every time just it just seemed like they just made a play when a play needed to be made. I think one of my favorite stories from that Florida game, that game one, is everybody talks about Jake Williams and how he, you know, he had a noodle arm. Let's just call it what it is. He had a yeah. noodle arm, and he made the throw of his life when he had to. Like that, that is, I, I remember Forrest telling me he's like, dude, as soon as that ball hit the left field, I just put my head down and just walked off. I was like, this game's over. All of a sudden, Jake Williams yeah. lasered a home plate crazy adrian adrian told me like two like an inning before that like yo stay loose in here because like we might make a defensive substitution and and, you know we're not gonna lose this game on like a ground like you know what i'm saying so like i was didn't really think i was gonna get it but i was stretching a little jog in the dugout just staying loose and i can't lie when that ball was hit also i was like shit anywhere else but (laughs) like shit but (laughs) To Jake's credit, he came up and threw a the throw uh, of his a, life, a perfect ball, throw of his perfect life, perfect ball. It was literally the perfect, the the perfect throw, and he had him by like two or three steps. It wasn't even close. Like it was, I don't, I couldn't imagine. I can't. But he also made uh, it was a foul ball that he caught against the tarp, like backhanded. That honestly, I don't even think I make that play. Like I think Jake was in that was in left field mm-hmm. specifically. For that reason, because mm. I know me, I would have looked for that tarp immediately as soon as I hit that <laughs> ground, as soon as I hit that warning track. I would have looked for the tarp, and he never took it out of the ball at all. It was just, it was meant to be. Yeah, for sure. Like I said that that game one against Florida, just I, I mean, insane. I mean, you talk about the Scott Wingo playing. I, I remember having him on the show and him talking about when he dove, seeing the spin of the ball, and that's how he like. I'm like, dude, how are you thinking about that and like that? Like he he talked about it literally like it happened in slow motion. Like that, that's how he described it. Dude, Scott Wingo, like I said, is defensively is probably the best infielder I've ever played with. And he, but he, he, we, we've had that conversation like in a locker room before. And it's like, yeah, he's, he, the game slows down for him, especially mm-hmm. defensively. Like it's slow motion for him defensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my one of my other favorite stories from that College World Series, that final, is uh, after game one. I, I forget who told me. Maybe it was Bobby, somebody else. They told me that you guys get back to the uh, team hotel or whatever, and I think Garcia was there, Steven Garcia, the quarterback at the time. Game yeah, quarterback. yeah. And they said yeah. – they said Garcia picture with him. Yeah, Garcia was saying, dude, I just saw Florida come in. They're demoralized. They're going to crush them tomorrow. Like – because, I mean, that, that was just deflating. I mean, Florida had to hate y'all. They had to hate y'all. Because, again, like you said, those teams, those Florida teams, like you said, it's not taking anything away from you guys. But on paper, they probably should have won it. Like, they should have won it all. I mean, that, those teams ridiculous. were stacked. Florida seems yes, to be sir. stacked every year. They seem to be stacked. Like, those teams were Absolutely. insanely stacked. 
And after you guys beat them game one in that fashion, it, it was over. I mean, that, that was – they might as well not even show it to the park the next day. I mean, just – you yeah. could see it mentally. They were washed, I, I, in my opinion. Yeah. Especially the way that it happened, too, because, like, they were, they were winning the whole game, that, that game one. And we basically tied it up, like, in the, the top of the eighth or the top of the And it the was ninth, Wingo that like had that. to hit to tie it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and then and then like how we how we get to go ahead and run. It's a, a missed hit and run, yeah. and Zanino airs it the center field. So Walker goes to third, and the center fielder short hops him, and it goes into the stand. So it's like yeah. that's a free run, and like yeah, that it it probably took uh, everything out of them, and also like like I said, we we went to Gainesville and took two out of three from them, mm. and beat the crap out of them that Friday night. Like it was. I don't think we were their favorites yeah. at all either. No, those those were some fun battles, man. South kind of Florida, South kind of Vanderbilt. Those were some absolute battles every weekend. Yeah. Uh, fast forward again, game two, you win the whole thing. Um, Jackie throws the ball in the stands, which I, I don't know if you saw this, but, you know, everybody's wondering, like, where did, what happened to that baseball? Jackie actually responded to me on Instagram. And I asked him, I was like, where did that baseball go? He responded. Said that some kid has it or something. Awesome story. Also, I have to pull it up. But you win that game. You win the College World Series. I mean, you get the dog pile. I, just, just talk about that moment. Again, you were a freshman that played sparingly. But to be a part of that, be a part of that run, get to experience that, just even being in Omaha but winning the whole thing. You're, you know, like I said, you get to call yourself a national champion. Nobody can ever take that away from you. You have your ring, whatever. Describe that, that feeling in that moment when the final out is recorded and, you know, you're a national champion. Um, obviously it still hadn't really hit me yet to this day. <laughs> um, but in the moment, it felt like Tom stood still. Like I was on some super loaded high school teams that were supposed to win state championships, and we never like out like the second round. Hmm. So I've never been to like I don't know I had never felt that feeling of being champion of of a sport. So, the emotional high that I was on, I can't even put it into words. It was like, mm. I didn't play, but then you couldn't tell me that I just wasn't like the College World Series MVP. Like, that's how I felt. Like, it felt, it was a feeling that I can't, maybe what it felt like to get married or something like that. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I can't put it in the way. Nothing has happened in my life that I can compare it to. How, how often do you pull out the ring and take it, give it a look? It's actually it's in a safe deposit box, but like if I go to like a wedding or yeah, I'm going to somewhere where like, yo, absolutely. <laughs> when I go when I when I went to I came to the Coastal Carolina game last year, and the Georgia game no two years ago two years ago, in Columbia. Right. Um, and I definitely was like, yo, I, I need my oh, rings at the bank. You, you got to. You have yeah. to. But Want that besides thing. that, I, I I leave I leave them in the safe deposit box. I leave them keep them safe. Right. So I know, again, like you said, Deshaun, like things happen, obviously, throughout your college career. Um, you were at South Carolina one year. I'll just ask you, when you look back on your college career and everything happens for a reason, no questions asked, everything happens for a reason. I fully believe that. What, what's your biggest takeaway? What, what, what do you think is the thing you, you learned from your college experience, if you will? That asking for help does not mean that you aren't, that you're weak or that you're not able um 
I had a really hard time shaking. Having I, I got down there, I had just got drafted. Like I was on a high coming to the school that just won a natty. Like the happiest I'd ever been. And then like day two, we're taking physicals, and like they tell me that my ACL's torn. Mm-hmm. Like I ain't, I've broken bones, but I had never like torn a ligament. And when I heard ACL, like my immediate thought was like players whose careers have never come back from having this surgery. And granted, like it's 2010 at the time. Technology and surgery have advanced a long way. But in my mind, I just immediately thought negative and I just got in a negative space. Mm. And I just let it snowball to the point where, like, I just stopped, like, I got so depressed and upset that, like, I was, like, missing class. I was missing practice. But, like, it wasn't because I didn't want to go. It was because, like, I don't know. I was just mentally, I just wasn't there. And I, I, I just, I should have asked for help. Mm-hmm. I need. I needed to ask for help, and I, I wanted to be a tough guy, and that cost me greatly. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change anything. I would just like I said. I would just. I just wish I knew I had. I, I that asking for help wasn't a, a bad thing. That you mm-hmm. it didn't mean you weren't you weren't strong or anything like that. Because, uh, I I had great relationships with everybody down there. Like. Mm-hmm fantastic relationships with, with all my teammates with all the coaches like i was i'm a very likable person i have a, 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 a outgoing energy like i'm i'm cool like fun to be around but during that time i was not like i was not mm-hmm. a fun person to be around i was just i, I remember my i locked myself in my dorm room like i put my dresser in front of my door so you couldn't get in it and i was like i was in there for like a month straight mm-hmm. like no showering just eating like the Gatorades and, and the snacks that like my parents had bought for my room and stuff. But like, mm. I was just messed up and I just didn't know how to ask for help. And that's, that's it. Yeah. And, and I think that's the side of it that people, that fans, I, I think we, we, we don't see or we don't even think about, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I have to remind myself of that too. Cause I mean, I, you know, I mean, it's just, let's just call it what it is. I'm in the business of it's, it's, you know, being critical of college kids' performances. And like I said, you got to think about that side. I mean, especially in, especially in this world with the social media stuff going off and, you know, uh-huh. depression rates are increasing and everybody's comparing themselves to somebody else. And I think that's, you know, I think that's why you're seeing it because people just cannot help to compare themselves to what somebody else is doing. And it's, you know what I'm saying? People are living fake lives for social media and it's just like, yeah, uh, it just I think sure. we some, sometimes we lose sight of it. I think sometimes we lose sight of the real issues people are going through. For sure, absolutely. And it, like um like I said I, I had just gotten drafted and so when I had surgery like I just got that negative mindset of man, I could I could have just signed out of high school and took mm-hmm. whatever money the Boston was going to give me. I could have had this knee this knee problem now. Mm-hmm. But I still got X amount of dollars in the bank account. I can go play college football after this. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to play baseball. Like it, a lot of that came in my in my mind, and I just could not. I couldn't shake it. But yeah, I think a lot of kids think like that and have those thought processes. And social media, I think social media is a good thing. I'm mm-hmm. on social media all the time, like you said. But it can get heavy on some kids if they don't know how to tune out the the BS and uh, and the people that just talk just to talk. Right. Now, you and I are, are similar in one way, Deshaun, um, because when I was in college, playing college baseball myself, the I basically grew up on Mac Miller, Wiz Khalifa, and Kid Cudi. And I know you're a Cudi Absolutely. guy. Absolutely. What's your Absolutely. favorite? What's your go-to 
Cuddy album? Like, what are, are you Man on the Moon uh, too? Is that like the, Man, the end all be Man all? Or? Man on the Moon 2 is the greatest album ever, ever, <laughs> ever, ever created. Ever created. But uh, yeah, now I'm a huge, huge Cuddy fan. But uh, now, like you said, in, in our time, like Wiz was was the man yeah. growing up. With Mac Miller, rest in peace, buddy. Yeah, rest in Mac peace. Miller was the man growing up. Like now, nah, for sure. I, I love Cuddy. He kind of lost me a little bit when he went on that the, the Wizard album. He his music yeah. got a little weird there for a second. Like yeah, he was on yeah. some. He was on something. Like for real. <laughs> he was on it. But no, Cuddy's awesome, man. He's he's a goat. He's a legend. It's it's those women, man. Those women be dro- drove him insane. <laughs> that girl yeah. drove him crazy. <laughs> yeah it seems like it's funny how that always seems to happen um <laughs> I, i'll get you out of here Deshaun. i know i've been keeping you a while but i want to ask you one last question when you look back carolina again this may be an easy answer i i feel like i might know where you're going to go with this um or actually two more questions we'll start first your, what's your favorite memory from playing at carolina or even being a student just being in columbia that one year you were there what's what's your favorite memory you can think of all right so i got two all right. I got a favorite memory of mine and a favorite memory of just being a student. My favorite memory of just being a student was for sure when we beat Alabama at home. <laughs> My friend, that was That's right. You were sure. there. You were there. Absolutely. For sure. That's coming off like them beating Texas the year before. Like they, they got a squat. Right. Like this is supposed to be like uh, like Julio Jones is still there. Right. Trent right. Richardson still there. Like they squatted up. Mark Ingram's still there, I'm pretty sure. Mm. Um, so that, that was definitely my, my favorite memory. Because I remember we, me, Jackie, Forrest, and Price, we all went together. Mm. And I remember Jackie saying, like, yo, if this gets ugly, we're just going to leave early. Like, we gonna, I'm right. not staying for the whole game. Because it was hot. It was hot right, as hell right. that day, too. Um, and I, I, had, I was in a full leg brace. Cause I was still coming from uh, ACL surgery. So, like, we were like, yo, if we're getting beat down, we out. I remember they went up like three nothing. Then it was seven three us. Then it was fourteen three us. Then it was twenty one three us. And it's like, <laughs> yo, what the fuck is happening? Like, what is going on? And but that was Columbia didn't sleep that night. Like it was, <laughs> um, the, the city was on fire. It was amazing. Right. And then my favorite sports moment, besides winning it, obviously was probably my first start at Mississippi State, going three for four. And yeah. having like two two RBI or something like that, that was that was awesome. Did you ever go to any Yahtzee? My... Do what? Say it again. I, I thought I thought I went Yahtzee for my first college hit, but I didn't eat enough biscuits <laughs> that morning. I hit, the, I hit the top of the fence. Not quite enough Wheaties. Not quite enough. Wheaties. Yeah. Do you ever uh, do you ever find yourself at any Garcia parties or not? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, See, Forrest. Yeah, Forrest so told me. Forrest told me Sunday fun day at Garcia's was a thing. That's what he told me. Yeah. I'm, we're just going to leave it at Sunday yeah. fun day with the yeah. thing at Garcia's. He, he gave me some details as well that I wouldn't dare utter on these yeah. waves that I just, well, I'm like, you we'll, got to be kidding me. Like, yeah. No, no, we'll, we'll talk off air about right. Sunday fun day and the other stuff for sure. <laughs> and then la- last question to Sean, your funniest, I guess, Ray Tanner story or moment or like, any, <laughs> any memorable Tanner, like, thing that happened I, I like I've, I've heard I know Bobby told me I don't know if this was in 10 or 11 but he told me the story about uh when Evan Marzilli got picked off or whatever and after the game uh I, I'm gonna tell the story wrong but basically Tanner saying that if he does it again you can go ahead and pack your stuff and head back up to Rhode Island so uh, like it, it just Tanner was just a a 
a laughing factory, it seemed like. Like, everything he said, a lot of stuff he said was very funny. All right, so I'll, it's, it's funny now. Right. And we won the game. It was funny. Right. It, didn't, it, it was funny after, after the fact. But so I had, I had, we were playing Auburn on like a Sunday, and I had popped my hammy running down mm-hmm. first baseline. And we were playing at OMS the next weekend. And that Friday, I, I DH'd. Uh, and I came in the, and I was, was in the late in the game. And I was, he told me to put a bunt down. So I got a bunt down and I bunted it uh, down the first baseline between the pitcher and the first baseman. And the first baseman, I did exactly what I thought he was going to do. He came and filled the ball and then he charged me to come, just come tag me out. And so I bunted it kind of hard. So I stopped and I started like to backpedal a little bit to make him come mm-hmm. towards me some more to buy time for the runner to get to second base. So when I stopped and started to backpedal, he stopped. And then rotated to turn the second. Well, whoever was on first beat to throw the second, so he was safe. And the play is still going on, obviously, but I have blacked out. Like I just right. blanked out. And I'm in the middle of the baseline. I'm just standing there just watching. Like nobody has tagged me. Nobody has touched first base. Like I'm not out yet. So I'm just standing there watching in the in the first baseline, just watching the play. And then Coach Tanner, you can I just hear Coach Tanner just going, run, run. And then I was like, oh, shit, I got to run the first base. So, like, I started to run the first base, but I couldn't, like, take off like I normally do because my hammy is still a little sore. And they ended up throwing me out at first base. Like, I was out. And Coach Tanner just chewed me when I got back to the dugout. And he was like, if you ever do that shit again. Basically, what he said to Marvilli, he said that she said it to me. I'll send your ass back to high point. It was just like, (laughs) oh. But, yeah, I just I basically forgot to run the first base on a bunt. Yeah, I remember uh, we had Mata on the show, and Mata telling me, I mean, again, the Tanner stories are just never-ending, but Mata telling me that uh, Tanner basically asked him, how's your arm sore? You only threw 75. I mean, like, like just <laughs> stuff like that. Like, like Tanner would just, like, what? I mean, your arm's sore? How are you sore? You don't throw hard enough to be, you know, your arm to be sore. What were you talking about? He, so. There was one time also, <laughs> it was like we were playing Cal State Bakersfield. It was like the second weekend of the series. The second weekend of the season. This is the last thing. And uh, I was probably I, well. Apparently, I was gonna. I was scheduled to play that day, but I had like a, a decent round of BP, mm. and he ended up scratching me out the starting lineup. And after BP, he came in the locker room and he sat us all in our lockers, and he just went around the room one by one and just ripped us. Like had his glasses like on his nose right here, mm. and like he would pick him up, look, read someone in his notes, pull him back down, and would just just ripped us one by one. And he got to me. He was like, Anderson, you've been reading your press clippings too much. You're not that good. You're not that good. <laughs> and that was like, oh, man. Damn, I suck at baseball. Like, I'm not good. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, my coach just told me I sucked. Hey, like, he, he knew how to get the best out of guys, though. He knew how to get the yeah. best out of guys. He, he knew what button to push, it seems like, for sure. Um, well, Deshaun, appreciate it, man. This has been a great conversation, obviously. Uh, I know I can speak for all Gamecock fans. I mean, that 2011 run was magical. 2010, 11, 12, whatever. But that 11 run was magical watching you guys out there. And, uh, again, I know I speak for all Gamecock fans when I say it was a, a pleasure to watch you guys do what you did. But, definitely, let's do it again sometime soon, man. Anytime you're free, we'd love to have you back on. Absolutely, brother. Thank, again, thank you for inviting me. Uh, big fan of the show. And then, you know, I, I, I talk to you all the time on social media, so I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. So he's the Sean Anderson. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on an episode of the Spurs Up Show.
the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.